Uh, so this morning I'm going to start by reading 1 Corinthians 13 from the Passion's Translation. And it says this, If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be, re- would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Love is all of those things, and it's also complicated. It's very complicated. 1 Corinthians 13 is, is often referred to as the love chapter. And this letter from Paul to the church, he, he's attempting to describe love. And he does a very good job of it. He's more eloquent than I could be. And, and love is all of these things, but it's so much more. It's, it's complex and it's multifaceted. It's an emotion. It's a decision. It's a response. It's a command of God. It's how others know that we belong to him. Jesus said it was the most important thing. It's wonderful and amazing and complicated. This morning, I'll be closing out our series that we've been in for the last several weeks that we've called The Complexity of Love. Mark started that series um, a few weeks back uh, talking about a paper that was written by the American University in Cairo. Uh, It was talking about the most common reasons why we fall in love, those reasons being intimacy, passion, and commitment. For intimacy, Uh, This paper said that falling in love for intimate reasons can be described as having a basic or base-level friendship if if it's solely about intimacy. It lacks commitment and passion that everyone likes to be cared for and loved and that people want to have an emotional connection. And the basic friendship allows that but guards from the risk of really getting hurt. But in, in that type of relationship, if it's if it's solely focused on that, um, it lacks commitment. And with commitment, we, we are risking getting our hearts hurt or disappointed or rejected. About passion, it said that, that falling in love for reasons of passion or a desire or strong feelings for a person is normal. That passionate love is developed as a result of feelings that lead to attraction and romance. When you see someone you like, you're captivated by something. Mark mentioned hair and was sad because he doesn't have any, but, um, you know, I don't have time. I got the beard going on, so that's cool. But uh, 
But falling in love for passion often results in neglecting of intimacy or commitment. It can. And about commitment, it said that people that seek commitment in relationship want stability and health in the relationship. And that the, the, the theory says that commitment alone is not satisfying, that passion and affection have to be developed in order for this type of love to go beyond mere security and become truly satisfying. You know, these are just a few facets of this complicated thing that we call love. And this study, it isn't gospel. It was a paper written by a university, but we do see truth in it. We see intimacy, and we see passion, and we see commitment in Scripture. And that's what we look to. Um, a couple weeks ago, Mark went into more depth on intimacy. And last week, uh, Dave Powers talked about passion. And this morning, I'm going to look closer at commitment. We, we see all three of these things demonstrated in Scripture and clearly demonstrated by Jesus. Jesus is love, so it makes sense that he would be a perfect example of all of these aspects of love. They're all important, but let's look at his, his commitment to us and to the Father. Jesus has always been committed. He spent his entire life doing everything that the Father asked of him. He would say, I only do what I see my father doing. Even from a young age, while most kids his age were playing whatever the equivalent of video games were at the time, I don't really know what kids did for fun back then, but kickball, maybe kickball, we'll say kickball. While they were doing that, Jesus was in the temple at like 12 years old, teaching people about God and about the kingdom of God. Joseph and Mary were looking all over the city for him, and uh, he wasn't where they thought he should be, and it really scared them. So I guess in some ways he was more of a normal kid than you realize. Our kids all do that to us, right? The, the, the message here is that he was committed. He was committed to the Father's work, and he's committed to us. There are many other ways that God shows that he is committed to us, and he gave us assurance of this in his word. Deuteronomy 31.6 says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He promised that he wouldn't leave us or forsake us. And as I was reading that, I dug a little more into the words. That, that word for fail us, not fail us, is rafa. And it means he will not let drop. He will not let go. He will not relax, allow to sink, or be quiet. And the word for forsake is azab. It means he will not depart from, leave us alone, leave us behind, or desert us. This is the commitment that God made to us. Because he loves us. He promises not to let us sink. He won't be quiet. He'll speak up on our behalf. He doesn't let go, and he won't leave us behind. He's always there for us. In Matthew 28, as he gives us the Great Commission and, and sends us out to make disciples of all men, he reminds us of this again. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says this. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. He's always with us. You know what that word for always means? Always. Pretty simple. But it, it, if you look at the actual description of the word, it, it goes farther and, it, and you know, it expounds on it. But it's always. It's unending. It's forever. It's never ending. To the end of time. God is committed to us. It wasn't a part of this paper as its focus was aimed more at human relationships, but another facet of love to remember when thinking about our relationship with Jesus is obedience. Commitment and obedience go hand in hand when in a relationship with God. We have to remember that obedience is God's love language. Um, Mark references these verses often, and I will reference them again. <clears throat> John 14:15 and John 15:14. John 14:15 says, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." And John 15:14 says, "You are my friends if you do what I command you." We need commitment in all of our relationships and certainly in our relationship with Jesus. As Mark shared about these passages at the start of our series, we can view this in a few ways. Obedience can be viewed as obligation, or we can see it as an empowering to live by his commands because of his love for us and our love for him. Commitment to Jesus can be seen the same way. It can be seen as obligation, or it can be seen as an act of love, a response to his unending commitment to us. He is committed to us out of love. A love so great that he was willing to endure great suffering. Jesus demonstrated his commitment to the Father and to us in going to the cross. Because of his love for the Father and his love for us, he endured incredible suffering. He went to the cross to conquer sin and death, to free us from our sin to make us in right standing with the Father, to tear the veil that separated us. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says this. It says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. He was committed to the Father, to the Father's plan for our salvation. Commitment is an important facet of love. In this study, it talks about people seeking that commitment for stability, which is true, but commitment is also the aspect of love that helps us get through difficulty, that helps us to endure. It's a decision that we make to stick with it even when things get tough. Jesus could have avoided the cross if he wanted to. 
at any time. He could have called an army of angels to his aid, but instead he demonstrated his commitment to the Father and to us by willingly enduring the cross out of his love for us. I love last week when Dave was speaking about passion. He reminded of us of this as well, that, that the suffer, suffering and death of Jesus is also called the passion, the passion of, of Christ, that Jesus loves us so much that it hurts. That's commitment. I was looking at the definition of commitment just in the dictionary, and one piece of that caught my attention. I'll, I'll read it all, but... I'll highlight the last bit. So the, the definition of commitment is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause and or an activity, a pledge or an undertaking, or an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. The first couple, most people are on board with, but that last bit tends to, to sting a little bit sometimes for us an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. We don't like that. We don't like being restricted. We don't like feeling obligated. It's, it's true that commitment means that we're restricting our options, though. We can't be committed and then bail out when things get hard. If we're committed, we're, we're removing that as an option. Have you heard of gamophobia? I hadn't either. It's just a fancy medical term for a fear of commitment or a fear of marriage. Sometimes we're, we're afraid of commitment. We don't like the thought of being restricted or perhaps we fear what that commitment may cost us. But the reality is being unwilling to commit prevents us from having any real meaningful relationships. And it will affect our relationship with Jesus as well. Not that we have to be perfect, but we should, we should try to be committed. <laughs> commitment is, is very important in relationships. I know at the beginning of the, the series, Mark talked about, you know, which one would you sacrifice? And asked Kara, you know, are you cool with there being no intimacy, no passion, or no commitment? Like, pick which one you don't want. And she was like, no, I'm not compromising on any of those. <coughs> They're all important. Commitment. For sure, I mean, just look at wedding vows. For better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. Man, I'm glad my wife is deeply committed to me. It's, it's easy to commit when things are good. The for better, the for richer, the in health, that's all great. But what about the for worse? My, my for worse can be pretty bad. <laughs> I've not always been the best version of myself. I've not always been the best husband and father. I've had good days and bad, and I still do. But I've grown, and I've gained ground, and I've slipped, and I've fallen. But Kim's stuck with me through it all, and so is Jesus. He was there to help me grow, to be a better man, to become a better husband and a better father. We've certainly seen the richer and poorer seasons as well. A number of years ago, it seems like a lifetime ago now, but um, we had to file for bankruptcy. It was a very hard and humbling season. Um, I felt like a failure. It weighed heavy on me. You know, some of it was 
bad decisions. Some of it was circumstance. Um, I lost my job and had to take another job making like $4 an hour less than I was making. And within months, she lost her job. And we were in the process of buying a house. And I was getting ready to go to college for electrical engineering. And it all just kind of fell apart. But she stuck with me through it. And so did Jesus. He was there to pick up the pieces, to help us through. That last bit, I'm honest, I'm being honest with you guys. This is the piece that I am most grateful for, that my wife is committed to me in the sickness part. Because I am such a whiner when I'm sick. I'll, I'll own it, I'll admit it. I don't know how she puts up with me. I'm a whiner, but she sticks with me. My wife is committed to me, and I to her in the good and the bad. And Jesus is committed to us in the same. On our best day, on our worst day, when we mess up, when we get it right, and everywhere in between. He loves us, and he's committed to us. Commitment can be challenging, though. We've been talking about the importance of intimacy, passion, and commitment in our relationships and in our relationship with Jesus. And, and it is important that we work on all three. When Dave was talking about passion last week, he uh, used the words, the old ball and chain. And I cringed a little. <laughs> like, hey, where are you going with this, Dave? But... Uh, but it's true. If, if we're only committed and, and there's no passion and there's no intimacy, it can start to feel that way. Not that it is that way, but it can start to feel that way. Instead of something good, it, it can feel like a weight around our ankle. Without intimacy and passion and the stability and security that we seek from commitment can, can fade and feel like obligation or lack of freedom instead. We have to have balance in these areas in all of our relationships and in our relationship with God. Intimacy without passion and commitment lacks depth. It can become just information. I know a lot about my wife. You know, we can know a lot about Jesus, but that's just one piece of it, right? Passion, without intimacy and commitment, can lack longevity. It can hinge on emotion and lack stability. You know, when Dave was talking about passion, it's that, you know, barely uncontrollable emotion. The, the times when, you know, the cartoon, like the heart's beating out of the chest and the trees and the flowers are dancing in the forest, you know, like, that's not sustainable. That's really not everyday life. Like, I love my wife, but... There's not trees and flowers dancing every day, you know? But if you lack that intimacy and the commitment, then, then that stability and that longevity can be gone because just our emotions are fickle. You know, if it's all about a feeling and that feeling fades, then what's left, you know? And a commitment without intimacy and passion can lack fullness and start to feel obligatory instead of an act of love and something that we want to do. 
in thinking about this, I was putting myself in Jesus' shoes and saying, man, the Father is asking me to go to the cross. And if it was solely on commitment, that'd be rough. I don't know these people. I don't have a heart for them. And you, you want me to endure what for them? That's not how it went down, though. Jesus went to the cross fully knowing us, passionate and full of love for us, committed to the point of death, even death on a cross, a criminal's death. And it was all done out of a place of perfect love, complete love, multifaceted and complicated love. We want to love Jesus like that, friends, right? Are we able to? Not as perfectly as he loves us, but, but we can try, and he set the example. And I think this makes it easier. In 1 John 4.19, it says, We love because he first loved us. When Dave was speaking about passion, I love how he said that Jesus puts passion within us. And that starts with understanding that we are passionately loved. That Jesus loves us so much that it hurts. And from a place of understanding that, we can become more passionate about, about Jesus. We can love like that because he first loved us like that. When we understand how deeply we are loved by Jesus, it helps us to love like him, to love him back in the same way. I don't, I don't think we can love him as much as he loves us, but we've got something to aspire to. Our intent with this series was to encourage us to grow in our relationship with Jesus in these areas. And I know a few different times Mark made the statement, I, I don't have all the answers. What does that really look like? How do we grow our relationship with Jesus like this? Well, as, as we've been saying, it, love is complicated. But, but here's some stuff to try. Grow in intimacy. Spend time with him. Just hang out with Jesus. Get to know him more and more. And as you're doing that, do it from a place of understanding that you are fully known by him. Grow in passion for Jesus. Allow Jesus to grow that passion in you. Doing so from a place of understanding that you are passionately loved by God. And grow in commitment to Jesus. Do that by acknowledging his commitment to you. He is always with you. Nothing can separate you from him. He will never leave you or forsake you. And he's not going to bail out when things get hard. When we understand how much God loves us, how can we not love him? How can we not return that love? So friends, let's, let's commit 
to growing in those areas. In love for him, in intimacy and passion and commitment, and in love for one another. Love is complicated, but it keeps on loving. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your amazing, unending, complicated love for us, Lord. We thank you that you love us on our best day and our worst day. That there's nothing that can separate us from you, Lord. That no matter how many times we stumble and fall, you'll be right there to pick us up again. And that no matter where we are in our relationship with you, Lord, you welcome and invite us to grow in that relationship. So, Father, just help us to do that. Help us to know you more. Just grow that passion within us. And let us not run away when things get hard. Because you love us. In Jesus' name. Thank you all for being here this morning. Jesus loves you. He is for you. Let's just spend some more time with him today. I'll leave us with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great week.